0: Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Did Jesus have a sense of humor? He certainly needed one. Working with the apostles, these slow men who didn't always understand his teachings, even when the crowd did, they would have to take the master aside and tell, ask him to explain it again. He certainly needed a sense of humor because of the ongoing tension, the conflict with the Pharisees. Did the apostles and Jesus, when they were by themselves, joke and kid each other in a good-natured way, the way men and women do when they are apart by themselves? I would think so. Artists, for centuries, never showed Christ smiling even when he was playing and blessing the little children. They were almost afraid to show this to mean he might be too human. But we would rather think that if Jesus is truly human, he truly did have a sense of humor. Having a sense of humor shows us to be not only human, but humor can also apparently help in healing. There is one famous writer who claims that one of the ways he was healed was through watching a series of movies of The Three Stooges. How is it that patients who joke with the nurses and the doctors and even laugh at their own illness seem to do better then those patients who constantly complain, feel sorry for themselves, obsessed with their illness, if you ask them how they are feeling, they can talk nonstop for a half an hour telling you about their illness. Why do the other patients seem to make out better? I think because the other patients step outside the situation. They distance themselves They take a look at their illness, and they even laugh at it. They refuse to become the illness. They have an illness, but their identity is not all wrapped up in that illness. Why is it that humor could help in healing? I think it's because humor, unless, of course, it is cruel and cutting, but when humor is good-natured, it's relaxing, and it's open. Without humor, we frown, we are uptight, we are frozen in our illness. But with a humor comes a sense of relaxation, and I think a healing can better take place. I don't know the derivation of the word humor, or humor. I wonder if the word Humor and human are connected. It certainly seems a human being is someone who's human enough to have a sense of humor. There's also an interesting definition of a human being. A human being is the animal resibile. The animal resibile. That means a human being is the only animal with a sense of humor. The only animal that can take a look at life, take a look at itself, and laugh. So certainly, Jesus did have a sense of humor. In another session, we'll take some of the words from the Gospels and some of the events in the Gospels and show that yes, Jesus did have a sense of humor. (music) So on behalf of Jump for Joy Faith Adventures, I assure you that your parachute has been tested.
1: When the door opens, simply take your leap and pull the call. I wanna be a paratrooper on a mission from God, with the soldier's holy orders from Jesus. My spirit is so willing, but my quivering knees could stop what opportunity seizes. If the leap of faith that. I need that give it all to you sensation Help me trust in you, Lord, if I don't jump now
0: In this session, let us read the Gospels with a smile, and with a smile, let us see if we can find indications that Jesus himself did have a sense of humor. In Mark 10, beginning with verse 13, we read about Jesus blessing the little children. We don't have the image of a neat, orderly line of children waiting to be blessed, rather we have the image of children hanging off his shoulders, so much so that the apostles are all for shooing them away. Jesus will not hear of it. He has the children come to him, and in verse 16, the beautiful line, he holds them in his hands. He holds them in his arms. How could he possibly hold these little children in his arms and not smile? Another instance of Jesus' perhaps sense of humor is in John 4, the story of the Samaritan woman. Now, the Samaritan woman and Jesus are standing at the well, engaged in a conversation about living waters. All of a sudden, Jesus changes the conversation and says, Go get your husband. I'd like to meet your husband. The woman says, uh, "Sir, I, uh, I'm not married." Our Lord answers, "You're not married." Well, that's true because the man you're with now is not your husband. The one before that was not your husband, or the one before him. He wasn't your husband, or the one before him, or the lady you've had five. So when you say this one is not your husband, you indeed, you speak the truth. But he doesn't do it the way we might in a demeaning way because the woman stays on. It's only our Lord's way of saying, lady, I know everything. Now let's talk about it. So the woman stays We don't know what they're talking about now, but something begins to change with the woman. So she goes back to the village and has all the people come and meet Jesus. Another instance where I think we might find the hint of humor in Jesus is in John 2. It's the story of Cana. Mary at some point sizes up the situation, realizes they're running out of wine. So she walks up to Jesus and just puts it very simply, they don't have any wine. Obviously, she wants him to do something. Our Lord answers, well, what is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Now, reading it, we would think that he in some way is refusing her, but she doesn't take it that way. As soon as he says to her, what is that to thee and to me, my time hasn't come yet, she immediately goes over and tells the wine stewards, do whatever he tells you. It almost seems like it's a gentle tease that in the very act of saying, my hour hasn't come yet, in some way he gives the indication that he is going to do something. And perhaps Mary even rolls her eyes knowing that he is going to do something. Another instance is in Matthew 15, beginning with verse 21. It's the story of the Syrophoenician woman. Remember, Jesus' ministry was first to the Jews, then eventually to the Gentile world. And so this woman, who is not a Jew, is following after the apostles. Finally, our Lord turns to her because she wants a healing for her daughter. And our Lord turns to her and says to her, you know, it's not right to give the food that belongs to the children to the dogs. The woman quickly retorts, ah, yes, sir, but isn't it true that even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table? Now, we have to understand that Eastern brusque speech, the way they can speak in riddles, and Her answer seems to delight our Lord. He admires her clever way with words, almost as if he's saying, Well, you've got me there. I give up. Be it done according to your faith. Another indication is the story of the stretch bearers who bring the paralytic on the cot. It's in Luke 5, beginning with verse 17. The men carry their paralyzed friend to the place where Jesus is healing. They can't get in the place. It's too crowded. One of them gets an idea. Why don't we go up on top of the roof, take off the tiles, and lower the stretcher right in front of the master? And that's what they do. Inside the dwelling, Jesus is healing, talking to people. They look up at the roof as the roof becomes dismantled, and the stretcher bearers lower the cot at the very feet of Jesus. It says that he's impressed by their faith. I think he's also impressed by their ingenuity, their creativity, and he can't help but smile at these men who have thought of a clever way to go to the head of the line. I think sometimes the apostles also had a sense of humor. For example, in Luke eight, forty-three, the woman with the hemorrhage has just threaded her way through the crowd, and she thinks to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And she indeed is healed. So suddenly Jesus says, someone has just touched me. The apostles answer back, Master, you want to know who touched you? Everyone's pushing, shoving, and you want to know who touched you? And our Lord says, no, no, I don't mean that way. Someone touched me in the way of faith that I have felt power go out from me. Well, then the apostles get serious. Oh, someone here has been healed. Please come forward. On another occasion, the apostles are rejected they're not received or accepted by one village and so james and john seriously go to the lord and says well master shall we send down fire and destroy them well at that moment our lord rebukes them don't they understand the message of gentleness and love the power of love but later on in another gospel mark is listing the names of the apostles and in mark 3 Verse 17, after he has said that Peter is to be called Rock, then he gives the names James and John, and there seems to be a nickname that Jesus has given them. He now calls them Sons of Thunder, and it probably comes from this incident. So he gives them a little nickname because now he can smile that they could be so far from the message that our Lord is trying to teach. Now we're not trying to begin a whole new school of exegesis now. But I think there are indications that Jesus had a sense of humor. And even if these things were not said the way we have just read them, I think the conclusion still comes out that of course, of course, Jesus had a sense of humor. If he was human, then he was humorous. It really goes together. One of the best qualities that human beings have is our sense of humor.
1: If the beat of the drum and the bass makes you dance Don't forget a major heart Give the good Lord a chance You can't see who you are in that mirrored disco ball It just spins you around So hear the church bells that call I say the Lord's Day is meant for all believers So don't say that you're too cool in your disco inferno Cause the Lord of the Dance gives joy for life eternal If you get down on the floor with your Tony Manero movie Forget to get up someday with your God, you need to groove. As the lights of the stroke get your dancing feet to glide, come with us through the hustle to learn the Holy Spirit's stride. Day is meant for all fever, So don't say That you're too cool In your disco inferno Cause the lord of the dance Gives joyful life Eternal When the fever Of Saturday night Starts breaking There's a seat for your feet At God's house It's there In your disco inferno Cause the lord of the dance Gives joyful life Eternal send me be Father BG? Father BQ? had Sunday morning fever. Even Wally and the Beaver had Sunday morning fever. Father Bill! Just kidding. Keep singing.
0: Life is a journey, and we are all pilgrims. We can never truly unpack. On this earth. We will always be on the go. It's a journey of healing and it's a journey of growth. Even if we think the end is in sight, we will find when we get there, it wasn't the end at all. It was simply a bend in the road. So, the end of the road is not the goal. The goal is the journey itself. The journey is the goal, to be on the right road. That's the goal. Maybe all our lives we've been following aimless detours. Maybe we've been going backwards. Just to realize that life is a journey and we never reach the end, that can be the most important, giant step forward in our journey that we have ever had. The wonderful thing about this is we don't have to finish the journey we don't have to get to the end of the road but we must be on the road we must be on the way if we were requested or expected by god to reach the end of the road to be completely healed to be completely spiritually grown how unfair of god because we die when we least expect that we are going to die we die while we are on the way, not when we reach the end of the road. So, all that God expects us to do is to be on that road, to be on that journey. I don't think on Judgment Day that God is going to ask us, what did you do? What did you accomplish during your lifetime on earth? i think the important question god is going to ask us is my child what were you trying to do i think the marks we get for effort are going to be very important in heaven i think the road to heaven is paved with good intentions we've heard it the other way but i think if the intentions are good and honorable and serious the road to heaven is paved with good intentions. I think heaven will be full of surprises. We'll be surprised to find out who are the real celebrities in heaven. And in heaven we may find out that what we called our greater successes may not be that important in the eyes of God. Maybe the time was right, the people were there to support us, and therefore we enjoyed a success. But we might find out that what we regarded here on earth as our failures in life, in eternal life, may be called our successes because maybe the time was not right. Maybe the support system of other people was not there, and then we are the ones who had that failure. But the intention was there, the real effort was there, genuine love was there, and even though the world called it a failure, we may find out in heaven it's known as a success. So on this journey called life, life is not a finished product. Life is rather an ongoing process that never ends. We will be growing. We will be healing until the day that we die. Our life, our spiritual journey, is a work of art. It's never finished. It's never completed. Death simply ends that part of our journey when you are on the way you are already there because all we're expected to be is on the journey seriously trying to accomplish our journey when you are on the way you are already there i preached this one time to a community of sisters and now they have a banner in their auditorium announcing and encouraging everyone on their journey. In large, large letters, the banner says, When you are on the way, you are already there. I'd like to share a passage from a book called Zorba the Greek. It's written by Nikos Kazantzakis, and it has to do with that idea of being patient with yourself on the journey. I remembered one morning when I discovered a cocoon in the bark of a tree just as the butterfly was making a hole in its case and preparing to come out. I waited a while but it was too long appearing and I was impatient. I bent over the cocoon and breathed on it to warm it. I warmed it as quickly as I could, and the miracle began to happen before my eyes faster than life. The case opened. The butterfly started slowly crawling out, and I shall never forget my horror when I saw how its wings were folded back and crumpled. The wretched butterfly tried with its whole trembling body to unfold them. I bent over it. I tried to help it with my breath. In vain. It needed to be hatched out patiently, and the unfolding of the wings should have been a gradual process in the sun. Now it was too late. My breath had forced the butterfly to appear, all crumpled, before its time. It struggled desperately, and a few seconds later, it died in the palm of my hand. That little body is, I do believe, the greatest weight I have on my conscience, for I realize today that it is a mortal sin to violate the great laws of nature. We should not hurry. We should not be impatient. Rather, we should confidently obey the eternal rhythm. I sat on a rock to absorb this thought. Ah, if only that little butterfly could always flutter before me to show me the way. So, on your journey, be patient with yourself. We are fragile works of art, that God is trying to do something beautiful in our lives. Be patient and remember, when you are on the way, you are already there.
1: Oh, Have I heard my own tongue speak? I'm singing peace in the valley, but resentment can so quickly peak. Merciful Lord, He invites, He doesn't force your conversion. He only waits with His grace to be poured. Lord, help us examine our own selves, our deepest need for forgiveness, not earned. You delight in Your might to give freedom and love, restoring the bridges we've burned. Are you waiting? with abandon. We're the ones who need His graces. Lord, touch all our weakness with mercy. Speak your word of forgiveness not earned. Break the bonds of our pride through your healing. What a miracle when hearts are turned.